welcome to Falter Ego episode 20. Actually, uh, didn't fade myself in very well there. Uh, <laughs> instant self-criticism. Um, I'm going to have to talk quite close to the, uh, the mic today just because uh, there's lots of cicada noise outside and um, I don't know how these microphones and processing work, but it's like... If I don't talk, you can't hear them. But as soon as I talk, it then includes the noise. So when they're not there, it's like, you know, um, erasing their noise as background noise. Um, but when I'm talking, uh, the cicadas smuggle their way in. Um, so it seems like the lower the recording volume I have uh, and the closer I get to the microphone, the less the cicadas uh, seem to infiltrate the podcast. So I'm trying to outwit it's ridiculous isn't it I'm spent putting mental effort into outwitting insects um, that's my morning <laughs> anyway so this this episode I want to talk about um, suffering and are we are we forgetting how to suffer properly um, with specific reference to I guess just the kind of uh, I, I guess just prevailing cultural, uh, attitude we have that's being fostered by the fact that you, well the the technological the technologically infused uh, society we now live in and um, this uh, propensity we have for broadcasting every thought that enters our mind and um, just how egotistical we've all become because that seems to be the seems to be the basis on which the economy functions now is generate content broadcast your thoughts um constantly talk about yourself document every second of your life um really maybe just let some moments of your life um pass by without notice not everything is is remarkable here's a photograph of my breakfast that's okay i mean eight billion people had breakfast today i don't know what makes you think your particular breakfast was in the top <laughs> eight billionth percentile of, of needing our attention. Anyway, um, photos or it didn't happen. <laughs> Good evening. Tonight's top story. Millions starving after they forgot to take photographs of their breakfast, meaning the nutrition didn't count. Photographs or it didn't exist. The new... <laughs> blighting the 21st century you know it's not it's not like that um anyway um but yes on on suffering so i, I was uh, basically i was thinking about it um i was reflecting this morning on the fact that um since i've come home from my uh, awful uh, two to three months in the uk um so my first trip i went home to help my dad look after my mum, who's got dementia. And that was just an extremely uh, trying experience just because of seeing your mum that way in a way that you've never been used to before, realising you got to kind of preemptively grieve for the fact that she's never going to, you know, she's not going to be the same ever again. And just the actual day-to-day uh, happenings of of what that entailed and experiencing you know having your mum cry into your chest and thinking you're her father is just you know it's just extremely discombobulating and traumatic um but i've documented enough of that experience on other episodes of this podcast but um 
just, yeah, the quantity of suffering and, and stress and, you know, all that. And then coming home back to Australia um, and uh, being being here for just two weeks and then learning that my father had passed away uh, completely out of the blue, no, no warning signs. And so suddenly I have to go back to the UK again. And this time I'm having to look after my mum and um, plan a funeral and search for care homes and be a full-time carer, you know, split between me, my brother and my sister. But you know, my sister was doing a lot of the funeral plans. My brother was, you know, um, we were splitting stuff with mum, but when he was looking after mum, he can't drive in the UK. So I would be driving my sister to care homes or she'd be driving me and just, you know, anyway, it was a full-time job. It was three full-time jobs, three, three full-time jobs. It was looking after my mum. It was planning a funeral, which is like, you know, planning a wedding with like hundreds of guests and, you know, catering and venues and, you know, what, what did, what funeral arrangements do you want to picking the songs? And, um, it's like my friend, um, Clark Richards, you know him from the roast, but he said, it's like, yeah, you suddenly just become a producer. <laughs> it's nobody warns you. Nobody warns you. It's like, oh yeah, you're a producer now. It's like, what? Yeah. You've got to produce this light. It's like, yeah. Planning like New Year's Eve fireworks at the opera house or something. It's like, right. I've got all these logistics to organize. So, like, but I'm sad. I'm crying all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you've, you've also got to become really great at Excel spreadsheets. It's like, fuck. Um, and, and the other job of, yeah, driving around care homes, asking all the right questions, researching, you know, what suddenly having to become literate in, you know, what different types of, you know, levels of dementia and where that maps into the care home system. Um, and, but the, so the, the short version of all that is my, the, the quantity of suffering was huge. Um, and to the extent that, you know, I was waking up in the middle of the night with sort of like night terrors and sweating and I had stomach pains from stress and, Every time, you know, my mum sleeps with her dog. Every time he moved around on her bed, she would call out scared and disoriented that something bad had happened. So I I couldn't even sleep properly because I was on tender hooks all the time. And so my nerves were frayed. And and yet, you know, I got through it. You know, you you have to. I mean, what's the choice is is to not get through it. I mean, you, you just have to tolerate all of that um, and somehow not have a nervous breakdown. But since since I've been back in Australia, I've noticed that things that before I went home, so I keep saying home and then referring to two different places, uh, since since going back to the UK and then, and then coming back to Australia, th- things that would have annoyed me or got me down or beaten me before I went back to the UK. Um, now don't, because it seems like my tolerance threshold for, you know, inconvenience, stress, and all these sorts of things has grown. I can now tolerate more suffering and, and, uh, that doesn't mean I welcome suffering into my life. I don't go out looking for, you know, I told a, I paid a stranger at the bus stop $50 to stamp on my foot. <laughs> you know, I'm not like, don't get turned on by it or anything, but so I don't seek suffering out. Um, you know, the, but the net amount of suffering in my life has remained the same. And yet 
I'm it may, each instance of it makes me less unhappy than it used to. Um, and that makes me wonder if there is a utility in, well, then there must be a utility in suffering because you get better at it. I suppose it's like, it's like anything, isn't it? You put in your 10,000 hours, you get better at stuff. Um, but you get better at tolerating suffering. And part part of to- tolerating suffering is when it's happening is obviously employing those little skill sets of not identifying with it, breathing, having all your techniques, um, realizing it's not it's not you, it not identifying with it too much, or if the suffering is happening, not adding on top of the suffering an additional layer of internal monologue of like, why is this happening to me and why me? It's so unfair. The universe hates me. You know, so you've got your mum screaming in another room. And that's all you've got. You've got that. You don't have that plus. How am I going to cope with this? Why is it happening to me? I don't deserve this. Like all the additional stuff. You just breathe and let the present moment be the present moment. Um, whether that's a happy moment or a sad one, you just approach it non-judgmentally and without trying to push it away, which is uh, aversion, or without trying to grasp onto it and make it last forever, which is attachment, you know. Um, cause both of those things cause unhappiness in one way or another. But so it, and it made me wonder, it got me thinking basically about the growing, I guess, lingua franca on social media and not just social media, just generally of like broadcasting your feelings rather than stepping away from them and questioning them. Like that doesn't eat that little moment doesn't even seem to happen. It's like you have something bad happens in your day and straight away it's on to, you know, Twitter to be, hey, at Qantas, my luggage to the person who broke my luggage. Rah, 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 rah. Or, you know, hey everyone, I'm in bed, you know, really sad. Oh my day my but you know, my life sucks. Hashtag lol, hashtag hate myself, hashtag like just sort of really um, not not just identifying with your suffering, and that's it. But like identifying it to the to the point that you think it's worth broadcasting, and then the sort of attention economy we're in now, rewarding you for doing that, like getting retweets and likes and people replying and getting that little egotistical, you know, ego tickle from having people respond. And I suppose you know some people could say. No, no, it's somebody reaching out. Well, there's nothing wrong with being comforted by strangers online. Um, maybe those people replying saying, you, you'll get through this and blah, blah, blah. Maybe they're helping that person get through their suffering. It's like, well, I, I'm i happy to concede that that probably is a part of it. I just don't think it's all of it. And again, what, like there's a certain amount of suffering that really it's kind of healthy to just watch it and observe it and let it be the thing that it is without adding additional, without bringing ego into the mix and going, well, that's my suffering and why is it happening to me? And, and then just getting caught up in it 
um, and getting sucked into it. This is a thing that I'm constantly, I think getting sucked into is a really good way of looking at things or a good phrase to remember because there's like, there's the event that's happening, but then there's also you dedicating lots of like mental RAM into thinking about it and wondering why it's happening and why me and all that sort of stuff and negative thinking. And I just think social media and therefore society, because society is now driven by so much by like web 2.0 and just technological stuff generally, um, just encourages that complete uh, identification with suffering. And I just think we're getting worse at it because I just see it, you know, this isn't just a random pot shot sort of guess. I mean, I just see it all the time on Twitter. Like I, rem- I remember when Twitter first came out, it was mostly, at least in, from my experience, you might have a different experience of it and please tell me if I'm wrong. But I remember it just being jokes or kind of like sort of, status updates a bit like Facebook I mean Twitter when it first came out I think what was the you know how it has the question prompt you know like tell us what's happening or what's going on and it was people just saying I'm in a in a pub and having lunch like it was people saying what was happening right now Um, and to me there seems to have been a shift over the years I can't really pin down exactly how many but I would say certainly in the last five maybe even a bit beyond that. Oh, no, actually, I don't know what I think. It but it both feels... It feels like it's been a long time coming, but it feels like it's really intensified recently. So I, I can't quite judge the, the sort of time period, but it feels like in the, maybe the last five years, it's just become such a kind of... Just a, 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 a forum for people airing their grievances and getting angry at things. Oh, I think this is disgusting. And, oh, yeah, here goes blah blah again. It's just, it's, or, and all people like biographically detailing, hey, everyone, just in bed, having a shit day, you know, just had the worst sandwich at blah blah <laughs> you know. People just get really like, I guess the, and also like the currency of suffering just seems to have depreciated massively. It's like, because I think people want attention and this is why I keep bringing ego up. It's people are just looking for anything to be uh, an excuse to tap into the hive mind because they want that attention. So it's like, just had the worst sandwich at blah blah restaurant, you know, hashtag day ruined. And it's like, Really? That's where we're at now. It's like you think even that is worth... Because if that was me, I would just eat it, think... I would taste the flavour, register that my body didn't particularly enjoy that sandwich, and then I would not add any additional thought on top of that because, again, it's just... It's an experience. It's just the present moment. And you've... But what social media encourages you to do is really buy into that ruminate over it contemplate what what content can I mine out of this and how much attention can I get for moaning about it and so we're even down to just documenting bad sandwiches now but so just our capacity to tolerate suffering I think is getting less and less and it the the reason what concerns me is that because Twitter and Facebook, I don't know, uh, 
Instagram, I, I've registered this less, probably because it's a visual medium. So it's hard to take, you know, photographs of your sad face. <laughs> it's like, here's my face looking sad, everyone. Um, it's, it's interesting how different social media platforms push us towards certain pathologies. Like when I mean, Instagram seems more like body dysmorphia and like just a huge um, life editing. Like here's the best moments of everything because I want to compete with everyone. Um, I mean, in- interestingly, Instagram seems to be, if you, if you have to translate it into Eastern spiritual terms and uh, triangulate what's wrong about social media against it, because so much of Eastern spiritual thought has been proven by science to be profoundly good for us. So if we can take that as a guide on what's good for you. But in, Instagram seems to be the app for attachment. Like, here's the things I want. Here's what I want my life to be. And if my life isn't this, then I'm failing. But here's the perfect photograph of my breakfast for my kids. Here's the perfect photograph of this. To the point that, you know, posting the opposite ironically is also like here's a photograph of all of us being sick um ha 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 my life isn't perfect um which you know if if that is a parody then that in itself acknowledges the is is itself enough proof that the general lingua franca of instagram is perfection so but instagram is attachment and twitter and facebook seem to be aversion like i hate this the i'm suffering i hate you know so it, it all seems to suggest that we're, we're entering a kind of headspace where it seems that like we've become sort of entitled is the wrong word, but we, we, we act on the basis. We act as if we think it's that the default setting is to somehow magically get from birth to death without ever having to be inconvenienced in between. Because um, it seems like any inconvenience is worth moaning about and any inconvenience, like, not not only is worth moaning about, but it seems like really knock people off centre for the day. Like there's people on social media that say, this happened and now my day's ruined or, you know, like, just, just sort of registering the, the severity of the impact of, like, what I would describe as quite trivial um, inconveniences, you know, um, and I, I and I, I don't, I don't mean this to bleed into any kind of culture war stuff because, well, I can. There's an there's enough people talking about suffering that I know to be trivial, <laughs> um, without having to get into oh, every, you know, it's the woke, you know, people, you know, people who are grievance fishing you know i'm not i'm not talking about people who go somebody used the wrong pronoun and you know now my life's ruined because that's actually that's not an example of what i'm talking about um so i don't i don't want there to be any confusion that i'm blurring the two i'm talking about people who just like something slightly bad happens in their day well there's an inconvenience or you know i had a i went to my gp and the tone they used and then it's just there's you know thread i mean the things that require a thread now um there's you know this like a sort of long form rant that seems to be um instigated by the most like mundane happenstance sort of 
just <laughs> like just something that's not actually that bad happened to you. <laughs> and now you suddenly think you need to proclaim it to all your followers. So it just our it seems like we think the default setting in the universe is for everything to magically go your way all the time. And that any mild suffering or even mild trauma like I had, what I went through was traumatic, definitely fully fits the bill. I was waking up with night terrors. I still haven't recovered from it. So that's traumatic, right? So even, you know, any suffering or inconvenience or trauma is somehow a deviation from the norm, is somehow a, a evidence that, you know, is a glitch. And it's it's actually the opposite. It's not a glitch. That is the norm. A life with suffering in it is the norm. And what social media is encouraging us to do is, is moan more and more and tolerate less and less to the point where I mean, I, I have a couple of friends who are academics um, and they, you know, work in a couple of universities. And I don't want to get all like all these new, you know, these young snowflakes. The next generation is the snowflake generation. Because that, again, that risks getting into civil rights as if that's the thing that makes them snowflakes. So let's, let's not conflate those things. But there's definitely again, back into the sort of more mundane life suffering stuff, there's definitely a, a decrease in the threat, tolerance threshold there. Like my friends have, you know, I've, you know, speaking on the phone and they tell me, you never believe the emails that I'm getting from these, my students now. Emails that I, I definitely would never have dreamt of sending my professors. I think I think I emailed my professors like once a year, and 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 then you know deeply respectful and dear professor so and so sorry to trouble you blah blah blah, just to let you know, whatever. And the the emails my friends are getting, like you didn't send me the you didn't attach the slides for the lecture you gave, and now I I don't know how I'm going to make the deadline. You really need to you know. <laughs> remedy this straight away otherwise I'm going to be experiencing extreme emotional distress it's like they're far too literate in the language of trauma and distress and just any any minor disturbance any minor hurdle any minor blip and then just fall apart some of these people and I don't know what that is I I my gut says it is social media. My gut says it is a culture that rewards absolute self-centeredness and that demands we turn the most minor infraction against our autonomy, d demands that that be turned into content and that we get rewarded and sympathised with. You kind of get hooked on sympathy and it's like, well... Who's who says you needed sympathy for that moment? Why why didn't you just cope with it? You know, I, I mean, I hate to sound brutal, but like, if you, if you actually just meditated and tried to get to a point where you are just present, you know, so when something bad happens, you just witness the bad thing happening, 
and that's all it is. And obviously you still have to react to the bad thing happening. So like, you know, when my mum's crying and screaming in her bedroom, I'm not saying, well, that's all that is. I'll get back to sleep then. I'm just saying you you uh, encounter and meet that stressful moment in the moment without any additional layers of internal monologue on top of that. Like, I wish you would be quiet and why is this happening to her? She doesn't deserve this. You know, she's had a good life. Why does it happen to a good person? Why am I, why is it happening to me? You know, all, all of that, you know, you've, all you've got is the ev- event itself. And then you, you're able to react to that better. So what does she need right now? Okay. She's worried about the dog. She thinks the dog is an intruder or she thinks the dog is freezing to death. Okay. So I'm going to meet that moment with a, with pure presence and awareness and calm, you know, so that's, that's what I'm talking about. I'm not saying if bad things happen, you, I'm not, I'm not saying that <laughs> there's it. Well, there's an interesting criticism here or, or concern people have. I'll, I'll just step away from that conversation, that, that topic for a second. It's related. It's a good segue. Trust me. Um, but people often think that, you know, Buddhism or spirituality and like accepting suffering is all about a, a sort of a weird indifference that somehow by being um, unemotional or not attached to events that you somehow become detached and indifferent. And it's actually the complete opposite. It's, it's, it's us psychologically broken Westerners who get in an absolute flap over the smallest infraction um, and the smallest stress who are actually failing to meet that moment appropriately because we're not actually, we don't even, we don't even appreciate the moment because we're stuck in our own heads, right? So it's actually the, the meditator, the aware person, the, the Buddhist, the whatever, the Hindu, who cares? (laughs) Don't care what religion it is as long as it makes you present. Um, they're, they're, they're not detached and indifferent to the stressful moment. They're seeing it for what it really is and are able to react to it accordingly. I mean, you know, think about it like a firefighter, right? So the, the pedestrians, people without training, they're the ones standing outside the towering inferno screaming, oh my God, what are we going to do? It's the firefighters who are calm and go, well, there's a fire and I've got water, so I'm going to put it out, all right? That's the... That's that's the Buddhist. That's the the spiritually grounded human being to the trauma of the moment. Right, that's happening. I'm not bringing. I'm not going to add. You know, fifty layers of internal monologue on top of this. I see it for what it is, and I appreciate it for what it is. You know. So that's. I think that's that's the kind of a weird myth or misconception that needs dis- dispelling is that by being meditative and calm that somehow you're indifferent and it's actually the opposite it's like no you're really here you're really here for that moment um you're really you know you're you're very very um yeah i mean it's it's the opposite of indifference it's it's being there it's being absolutely there it's it's being caught up in your own head while the bad things are happening that is it 
in, in effect a form of indifference because you're more concerned about what's going on inside your head and your reactions and your rumination to to the event than the event itself. So you're the one who's removed, right? You be the, you're removed by the over-identification with that suffering and the the uh, resultant 50 layers of dialogue on top of it, you know. So um, anyway, what was I saying? Yeah, firefighters, Buddhists, Buddhists are fighting fires. Um, but yeah, sorry. So the, um, yes, so the, 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 my friend's getting... Yeah, emails from students who just are just blown off course, like they're just buffeted so easily by the the smallest thing, and I just I just wonder whether you know, yeah, whether we're just being trained to suffer less uh, with with less aptitude. We have less aptitude for suffering now. And again, I can hear the responses already. Well, why? Why should we have aptitude for suffering? Why shouldn't we try and make the world better? No, I'm, I'm not saying. I'm not saying you should seek suffering out or put up with. I'm not saying you should be a pushover. And again, this comes back to don't don't conflate. You know, civil civil rights grievance for everyday grievance. I'm not. I don't want to conflate those two things. If somebody's abusing you or um, mistreating you. It's, there's, it's not saying don't speak out. Do speak out. But also speak out with, um, with a presence that you're, that you're not then also sucked in, you know. Because you can speak out and be a complete mess and speak out and be effective and calm. But anyway, like I said, I don't want to get into to like a civil rights space. I'm not saying be a pushover or, you know, just suffer, you know, just let, you know, who cares if you're you know, systemically prejudiced against, just let it happen. And again, this is another misconception, I think, of spiritual thought is just this idea that you, it means inactivity and to let, just accepting things for the way they are. Um, it absolutely does not mean that. It means seeing things for what they really are without the 200 internal conversations 200 internal conversations on top of that, thus making you a more effective respondent to those injustices. Um, but anyway, to bring it, no, I want to bring it back to the more everyday grievance, you know, um, just shit happening in your life. I just see a lot of it. I see a lot of it on Twitter, social media, and more broadly, you know, and the news cycle. And, you know, we're just getting very sucked into this, uh, like, just... Yeah, sort of grief-stricken, constantly offended. Um, oh, I saw this, and now my day's ruined. Sort of headspace. And the problem is, it is a muscle. Um, suffering is a muscle, or, or um, maybe the better way to put it is, happiness is a muscle. Happiness doesn't come about from everything going your way, because that's impossible. And again, it's weird to assume that the default setting is that you're somehow entitled to get from birth to death with nothing ever going ever going badly for you. I mean, what an absurdly anti-Galilean sort of perspective that, you know, the whole, whole universe is about me. Um, it really isn't. The universe doesn't give a single shit about you and, and lots of horrible things are going to happen to you because of it. Um, 
the universe itself is massively threatening to you. Um, don't know if you've ever stepped outside Earth, but um, most most of the universe doesn't have you in mind. Um, I went to the surface of the moon and, like, the air was just totally not breathable. And I just, why is everything going wrong? It's like, no, it's because the moon wasn't designed with you in mind. Um, stop, stop making it all about you. So... I just so I, I I'm looking at the rise in frequency of people just complaining about small things and thinking that that's some it's necessary to head out onto a communal community page microblogging forum and and proclaim that these things happen to you rather than just, you know, I hate to say it because it, you know, I sound like Jordan Peterson, you know, suck it up, you know. Um, I, unfortunately, a stop clock is occasionally uh, right. Not occasionally, it's very definitely only right twice a day. But, the, you know, unfortunately, there is a little bit of that that's kind of true. Like, you, rather than going, oh, well... You know, that happened, so now I've got to tell everyone about it. Um, Rather than doing that, which involves several unhealthy stages, which is identifying with it, letting it get to you, and then also... I mean, the, the, the new thing that social media has brought to the table in making our lives spiritually a complete fucking wasteland is that, like, now you can be rewarded... I mean, that, that's something that didn't used to exist, right? If something shit happened to you at work, normally you kind of just absorb it and suck it up and go home and maybe have a wine, you know? But again, that's that's not great. That's a, you know, substance abuse to cope with suffering is is not is not good. But um, but now it's like the sort of... that that uh, Maybe you would tell like one or two people, like, oh, do you come here? Believe John at work. He, you know, stole my fucking sandwich out the fridge. I made that sandwich and blah, blah, blah. You know, you could maybe tell two people and maybe that, but they would also be busy with theirs. You go, oh, yeah, I know. Anyway, so I got a meeting <laughs> and you'd be left to like just suck it up. You know, shit happens. Bad things happen in life, you know. Whereas now it's um, the bad thing happens and then you tweet it in the hope. Of like get, maybe if I phrase it in a funny way, it'll get retweeted lots and maybe lots of people will post gifts in response. I'll just get lots of attention and sympathy. And so suddenly you've made this moment, this, you know, this iota of suffering, you've turned it into a, into a mine or a sort of a fishing exercise for, for attention rather than just breathing, being present, let it, be the thing that it is. Don't add any internal layers of monologue on top of it and move on. Um, and so the, on the one hand, I'm noticing this rise in just kind of overt complacency. <laughs> um, is that the right word? Which is overt sensitivity to many of life's like trivial sufferings. And again, not not any of the major ones, nothing sort of civil rights based or systemic, that kind of suffering. I'm talking about just the, the normal everyday shit that we have to get through. Um, I'm noticing that and I'm noticing the increase in my happiness 
paradoxically, in having gone through the worst time of my life because now after that, everything or many things seem less, a lot, a lot of my suffering seems quite trivial compared to what I just went through. Um, and so there is an argument there to be made that by meeting suffering head on, while that isn't particularly pleasant at the time, you're building muscles that make your sort of, I guess your ambient level of happiness and your tolerance sort of threshold for suffering and your capacity to just kind of meet it without it sparking an internal meltdown, you're just increasing your capacity for that to happen. And so suffering does, is a teacher. Um, suffering, it's like, you know, certain cultures have a tolerance for spicy food, you know? Um, and so it's, it's you know, an English person can have like a, a tikka masala, <laughs> which isn't, I, I really love spicy food. So for me, I have to eat something really, really spicy for it to register. Um, but, you know, I've, I know English people who can have like a caught chicken korma <laughs> or even a butter chicken, which is essentially to me like eating, you know, um, thick water. I mean, it's not spicy at all, but, and they're going, oh, oh. But then somebody who eats curry all the time and eats spicy food all the time can have a vindaloo and go, no, it's got a tiny bit of pep to it, but no, don't, can't really taste anything. But, you know, or they would taste a chicken korma and think it's the most bland thing ever. So, um, you know, in a lot of um, countries that do have spicy food come over to England and, th- and just complain that they can't taste anything. <laughs> so, you know, spiciness is really, there's not an objective, there's not really an object, it's quite a subjective experience, isn't it? If you've grown up in one country and have a korma, you think that can have a bit of pep to it. If you come from another country and eat it, you think it's taste of nothing. Um, who's right? Well, neither of them. They're just different. Both both societies have different tolerances for spice. That's all. Whether or not something is spicy or not, it kind of comes down to your own personal uh, experience with spice and your own uh, tolerance for it. Well, it's the same with suffering. Is, is something suffering? Well, if, if you've been brought up to just moan about everything and not cope and you're not equipped with any internal mental or spiritual toolkits for encountering suffering, then, you know, you're going you're gonna to get blown off course by a chicken korma amount of suffering. <laughs> Whereas other people who have been through a lot and metabolized and approach it with a healthy mindset and don't expect the universe to constantly be in their favor and have a realistic attitude to suffering that, yeah, the the universe is going to fuck me over a few times in my life or every day, constantly in little bits and occasionally a few times in my life quite severely or maybe more than a few times. Um, They're going to meet the chicken korma of suffering and go, oh, that's not much, is it? And move on with their day. So 
I would say what what social media is doing is feeding us on English food of suffering. Of like, complain about it, even if it's the smallest thing ever. What's on your mind? Tell everyone your thoughts. Be rewarded for telling people your thoughts rather than, you know, no, well, don't identify with that, you know. Um, that's just, just let it, let it be. And again, not in any systemic abusive sense, but like, do you really need to tweet that, you know, somebody on the beach ran in front of you and kicked sand in your eye? Like fucking stuff happens all the time. Sorry. Suck it up. Tiny your bedroom. Okay. <laughs> Life's no joke. <laughs> you've got to you've got to embrace your suffering bucko like let's not go down the Peterson route okay not embracing that man at all um, but I, I'm, I am aware that me saying suck it up does sound a bit similar but um, you know so it's you know there are people who are eating the chicken korma of suffering and having their mouths blown off and people eating the chicken korma of suffering and going, nah, barely registers. And it comes down to individual, it comes down to your attitude to suffering and your, you know, how you how you meet it. And the more you meet it in, in a healthy way, and again, I'm not saying go out and seek additional suffering. I'm just saying when you do encounter it, meet it with a healthy mindset and a healthy set of tools because then you'll be able to eat it, consume it, and next time it won't be as spicy <laughs> rather than spitting it out and then or just never ordering spicy food, trying to avoid it at all costs, which in itself is, is not healthy. But so, you know, the more the health, the more healthily you approach it, the sooner you build up a tolerance and the happier you will be because happiness is a muscle. It's not a result of circumstances to a degree. Obviously, like if you're in a prison having you getting punched in the face every day, it's like, you know, I mean, just get over it, man. Um, but just in general life, you know, just meet suffering with some presence and grace and non-identification and don't this this tendency to think that we're entitled to uh, get from birth to death with nothing bad happening in between it's quite evident that people actually think that and that any amount of suffering is a deviation from the perfect existence they were promised by some fucking what in some contract that I haven't read um, it's just not true and you know again very evident in young people who seem to complain about the smallest things certainly in universities from what I've heard and I've seen you know it's like you didn't do this and now I've I'm very distressed it's like fucking you're distressed by that what missing not getting the photocopies of the handouts Fuck me. Wait till you <laughs> wait till you're unemployed and you're fucking starving. <laughs> wait till you have a kid and you don't sleep for four days straight. And they're screaming and you're what are you gonna do then? So gonna make your photocopy bullshit fucking seem like a drop in the ocean, isn't it? Um Maybe that's it. Maybe we should hand the youth 
a screaming child for three months. So none of your needs are going to be met for the next three months. You're not going to sleep. You're not going to have a single second of peace to yourself. And uh, you're going to have constant noise in your ear. And you're going to fear that the thing you've been handed is going to die. Um, on top of that, you're going to get emailed uh, by a parent telling you of a, uh, a terminal, Ill- terminal illness. And, uh, oh yeah, all your assignments are due on Friday. Okay, good luck with that. Yeah. See if you moan about photocopies then. <laughs> It would just be like, again, it's a tolerance thing, isn't it? You wouldn't give a shit at the photocopies would be the smallest issue in your on your plate at the time if all those other things were happening. And again, this is why having been home and having experienced all of that, yeah, to me, I've experienced the big things and now the small things don't register. I've, I've eaten the vindaloo of pain. <laughs> And so now the chicken, the butter chicken, the chicken korma doesn't register. The small little bits of suffering in life um, don't really, aren't knocking me as much as they used to, which tells me that suffering definitely, to some degree, is a mental um, construct or it's a matter of perspective. And if you've experienced more of it, the small things don't seem to be that much. Um, which means, which begs the question, were they ever that much to begin with? You know, um, it's like when you see, you know, it's like when you see a grain of sand compared to a mountain. It's like, well, the, the mountain seems massive, right? But then you look at the mountain compared to the size of the sun and now the mountain looks like a grain of sand in comparison. Like, okay, well, what actually is, what actually is size? <laughs> it's all, at, at a certain point, it all becomes relative. And so, yes, you might be experiencing horrible things or slightly horrible things in your day-to-day stress, all that kind of stuff. And to you, it might seem like the end of the world. Um, And I, I would rather you didn't have to then go through something extremely awful to make you realize that it wasn't all that worth getting knocked off your feet for in the first place. Um, so it is re- a lot of it is relative. Most of it is subjective. And um, we are, I think, slowly, as we become more egocentric and get more wrapped up in our own world and our own suffering and, uh, and are slowly um, sort of herded into enclaves of one, you know, this sort of social media ego culture of um yeah being being a one person brand so that everything that happens is extremely important because you are again it's this anti-galilean thing of it being the center you being the center of the universe um the more we're herded into these enclaves of one the more relevant and pertinent and important and significant our suffering is and the more tempted we are to talk about it and complain about it and go hi everyone i'm in bed i'm sad it's like don't go to social media for to tell people that like there's a certain if you you're not building up the muscles you're not building up the tolerance you're not and the rest of your life and this is the thing by doing that, you're just making it more likely you're going to suffer in the future. So for the people saying, yeah, but maybe going to Twitter and getting sympathy from people is helpful. So, well, it's helpful in the same way that smoking a cigarette now is going to relax you. 
if you're addicted to cigarettes. But long term, you're also relying on the fact that the next time you're stressed, you're going to need a cigarette again rather than the person who has quit and has built up a tolerance for that nagging feeling of, oh, I'm a bit stressed. Well, be stressed because the next time you get stressed, you'll be a little bit less stressed. You know, but if you just immediately lean on a cigarette to ease that nervousness, well, the next time you're going to need two cigarettes and soon, not just the next time you're this stressed, you'll need two cigarettes. Soon, even smaller things are going to require cigarettes to calm you down because you're just losing that muscle. You're losing that um, capacity to tolerate negative experiences. And social media is like the cigarette. It's the, the thing we lean on to alleviate our suffering in a quick fix oh, I had a moan in public and people liked it, so now I feel a bit better. Rather than just being present, being aware, seeing the nasty moment for what it is and meeting it head on like a grown-up, like a spiritually grounded human being. Um, anyway, that's, uh, that's all I wanted to say. Are we getting worse at suffering? Is it a muscle? And is happiness also a muscle? And are these muscles that we're letting atrophy? Um, I think yes. Um, And that's why, you know, it's important to to meditate and um, come at these things with as much presence as you can and not identify with the thoughts in your head. You know, don't, don't, don't be the person... In terms of life's problems, don't be the person standing outside the towering inferno screaming, not knowing what to do. Be the calm firefighter with the water. Because <laughs> um, that's what's going to help, isn't it? Otherwise the building's going to burn down. Um, the, you know, n- neither of those two people are denying the fire is real. That's the important thing, just to come back to that point about oh buddhists are all indifferent or weirdly sort of um you know emotionless no 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 i'm i'm really seeing the emotion for what it is that's the difference um both the screaming pedestrian and the firefighter they both they both recognize the fire is neither of them is denying the fire is there it's not like the fireman is calm firefighter is calm because they're pretending it's not there they're not indifferent at all. They're very attentive. Um, it's just they've got the the toolkit, the internal toolkit to face it head on and and to tackle it and put it out. Right, their tolerance threshold for fires is higher than yours and that's how they're able to be focused and calm. Well, that's all of us. We all have little fires that need putting out every day and we can either scream and wail and get lost in our own internal multiple monologues um, or we can develop the toolkits to put them out. But ne- ne- the latter does not mean denying those feelings exist. It just means recognising them properly and dealing with them rather than going on Twitter and screaming about it and hoping that sympathy is you know, again, it's the cigarette thing. You're just going to lose your threshold, your tolerance for handling this stuff. Um, anyway, 
that's all I wanted to say. If I mean, I'd be interested to hear what you, if what anybody else thinks. I mean, I I personally feel like I've been through a lot these past three or four months. Uh, and again, like I said, at times crushingly traumatic, like really bad. Um, and there were times where I really thought, I, I don't think I can cope with much more because this is so awful. Um, and I was, you know, occasion when I forgot myself, I was doubled up in pain with a stomach stomach pain from stress. Um, but when I just breathed and just kind of met it head on slowly it subsided again it's not to say it's easy anyway but I feel like I went through a lot and since coming back less is getting to me and I'd be interested if anybody else has had the same experience um, after a certain amount of pain or suffering are you did you find you became a bit more of a chill human being after the fact um and of course, I suppose that begs the question, if it takes that, do, does it only, ta- can it only be intense suffering that alleviates all future suffering? Um, because you've now got that kind of, um, that marker against which to to measure and you go, oh, well, actually that suffering is not that significant. Or is it possible to decrease suffering without having experienced, you know, a mother load of suffering? Um, I suspect so. I I mean, I think, you know, meditation and awareness is one of the ways of doing that and meditating on suffering, um, more often, whether it's your own or other people's, but, um, anyway, this has gone on long enough. I want to get this under an hour, so I'm going to say goodbye, but yeah, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. Um, if, yeah, yeah, if you've, uh, been through anything similar. Um, there are new tiers available on the Patreon page. I'm going to phase out some of the old tiers. Um, I'm trying to simplify things and make everything a bit cheaper because I'd rather have lots of Patreon supporters at a small price than like scattered at different tiers and I've got to make different content to match the different tiers. So you get everything for the a low price, basically. So it's all there. So please go and have a look and have a little explore. All right. Bye-bye.